0: Well, in 2003, the same year that many of you were born, was one of the most significant years in basketball history. In 2003, that was the year that LeBron James, arguably the best high school basketball player to ever play, was drafted into the NBA. And that was a big deal because everybody was waiting on this day for LeBron James to be drafted. And it was a cool story because he got drafted by his hometown team. The team he grew up in the backyards of playing with as a, as a kid growing up, he got drafted by them. And some might say, yeah, that's cool, but it wasn't a coincidence that he got drafted by his hometown team. You see, because how the NBA draft works is the team that has the worst record In the previous year, they had the best odds of getting the first-round draft pick. So Cleveland Cavaliers said LeBron James is coming out in 2003. In 2002, we're going to have our worst season that we could ever have. Our goal in that season is to lose every single game that we possibly can because LeBron James is that valuable to us. And if we can get our hands on getting him, then we're all for it. So they did some crazy stuff that year. I mean, they had their best player on the team, and they just traded them away for nothing to help them lose. They had a coach that went on a two-game winning streak, just two games, and he got reprimanded. Can you imagine that as a coach coming in? It's like, great job, guys. We won two games. And they're like, stop winning. Stop it. That's not your job here. Your job is to lose. But it was because... They saw the value in LeBron being that great, that high, that, it, that nothing in that 2002 season was positive when it compared to the thought of having LeBron James in their uniform. Well, you see, it's one thing to give up an entire season just to get a player. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's sports, right? Like, you still got life to live. You move on. But it's another thing to give up your entire life. Your entire life to follow someone. And that's what Christianity is. That's what the Bible tells us, is that in order to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we don't have to just give up a portion of our life. We are to give up our entire life to live and to follow Jesus. In this world... This world is not going to make it easy for us. This world is going to continue to throw out distractions and try to put things out there that tempt us to make us think that the value of what the world has to offer compares in some way, shape, or form to what following Jesus Christ is. And so the world will continue to throw things out there, but as Christians, we ought to have a value of Jesus Christ that is so high, that is high above anything else in this life that no matter what it takes, whatever we have to get rid of in our, in our life, we know that it is worth it all to follow Jesus Christ. You see, because otherwise, we may know Christ. We may you know, have a good theology. We may, may be reading our DBR every single year. We may be able to, to reel off you know, hundreds of Bible verses off memory. But then on the day that all of us will finally have at the end of this life where we meet God and we think that, hey, Jesus, we know so much about you. It'll be unfortunate because he'll say, I don't know you, though. I don't know you because you spent your entire life building a relationship and conforming to what this world has to offer, and you didn't spend any time getting to know me. We're in our passage today in Philippians, If you want to go ahead and turn there, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 8. What I want to make sure we do is I want to open up God's Word to help us look and help us have a better idea of how we need to compare our relationship with Jesus Christ and the things that this world has to offer. And Paul sums it up well for us, beginning in verse 8. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, it says this, it says, Indeed, I count everything as loss. So Paul said, everything that I earned in my life and everything moving forward, I count it as a loss. Why? Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Rubbish. I, I, I like some other translations because I think ESV is being nice with rubbish. Other translations say garbage or poop. Hopefully I don't have to illustrate that, but, but he compares everything in life to poop. He says, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, saved by Christ. Not only having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, Paul saying not, not only just, just worrying about what I'm able to produce, but only that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. As a Christian, you have that same power in you, in the Holy Spirit. He says, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So Paul says, by any means possible, and what he's not saying there, he's not uncertain of his salvation. He's not saying he, he, he's unsure of it. He's saying it doesn't matter how I go out, whether I'm beat, whether I'm crucified, whether I'm beheaded, all that I want at the end of the day is I want to attain the resurrection from the dead and go be with Christ in heaven. That's all he cares about in this life. My daughter Blake, is uh, she turned three last year. And you know, when you turn three years old, we wanna, I want to give her some freedoms in life. Not too many, but just enough for a three-year-old, right? And so what we decided to do was start to allow her to have some freedom in what she wants to eat. Okay, I put some restraints on it because in her mind, she'd just eat chocolate all day. But certain things we let her have some leeway on. What would you like to eat? And as a parent, this is a painful process to let a three-year-old who thinks sky's the limit and I have to narrow it down to what I want to eat for this meal. So if you can imagine, it's just filled with a lot of, um, um, well, uh, and it's painful. So to help her out, I I try to narrow it down every once in a while and say, all right, here are your two options. But it's still difficult for her. But knowing my daughter, there's one thing that I can say that will make a decision easy for her. It'll make it a no-brainer. And I say, Blake, do you want a peanut butter and jelly? Bingo. Peanut butter and jelly is her thing. It doesn't matter whatever the second option is. I can't even get it out of my mouth half the time. I'm like, you want a peanut butter and jelly or peanut butter and jelly? And she's done because that, a peanut butter and jelly, is more valuable to her as a meal than anything else I have to offer. Now, hopefully that changes because that's just not a healthy diet for somebody's entire life. But for right now, as a three-year-old, a peanut butter and jelly is all she wants. That holds so much more value than anything else that she can have in her life. And you see, That's so. It's insignificant. Everything else is so insignificant to her because peanut butter and jelly is so valuable. Well, you also make decisions based on value. Every hour of your life, you make a decision if you're going to do your homework or not. I seem like you don't have a choice there, but you do. You make a decision, and you value doing your homework because. You want to get a good grade. You want to eventually graduate from high school and be able to move on to college in and, and different stages of life. So you choose to do your homework. You value sometimes more sleep than waking up in the morning. When you hit the snooze button and you think that five minutes of extra sleep is really going to help you out, so you hit snooze, but you value that five more minutes of sleep rather than what you have on your morning agenda. You made a decision based on value when you came here tonight. You selected pizza. You chose pepperoni or cheese based on what brought you more value and what, you, what satisfied your appetite for tonight. You see, there, there's all kinds of decisions and, and evaluations that we make within our life that we determine something's more valuable than the other thing. But you see, all of those things that I just mentioned, those happen in certain areas of life. They happen at certain times. You see, the the value of having Christ, the value of glorifying Christ happens in everything in our life. Every part of our life, we have an opportunity to be able to glorify Christ. That's always on the table. And our value of him must be so high, so high at all times that everything else that the world puts in front of us is insignificant. It's insignificant compared to Christ, and that brings us to point number two this evening: is we need to realize the insignificance of everything when compared to Christ. Realize the insignificance of everything when compared to Christ. You see, Paul understood that, and Paul knew that everything was insignificant, and it wasn't because Paul was just you know down and out and he didn't have another choice in life. You see, Paul was a big deal. Paul had this celebrity status among the the Pharisees. You see, he had a great resume. He was born a Hebrew. He was trained under Gamaliel, which is like having a Harvard education. And he defended the Jewish faith so much so that when Christianity came upon the scenes, he started persecuting and trying to kill Christians because he saw that as being an enemy of the Jewish faith. But then Paul gave it all up. He gave all of that up. Everything in his life. Why? because he knew it didn't compare to knowing Christ. Nothing meant more to Paul than salvation in Christ and getting to know him more and more through having a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, because in in verse 8 and verse 10, we see the word know Christ and and getting to know Christ. But what I want y'all to understand tonight is that word know in the original Greek It's not just a head knowledge of knowing who Christ is, being able to recite some things about Christ. It's about having a relationship. It's more intimate, that word "know" in verse 8 and verse 10. So it's about having a relationship with Christ, not just having a head knowledge of him. So what does it mean to have a relationship with Christ? You see, I don't want you to overcomplicate this, but think about what it means to have a relationship with somebody you know here. Right? You didn't just walk up to that person after hearing a few facts about them and, you know, browsing through their Instagram feed and walk up to them and say, you know what? Like what I see, you and I are best friends. You don't even know me. Didn't work like that, did it? They would probably think you're weird if you did that. But you see, in order to have a relationship that grew and got strong, it required you to, to talk to that person, to get to know that person, to be around that person a lot and understand what they like, what they don't like, and you started to develop a love and a desire and a care for that person, and you wanted to be around that person more and more and more, it's because you had a relationship with that person. Jesus is far better than any earthly relationship that we can have. In the same way we develop an earthly relationship, we need to be doing the same thing to develop a relationship with Christ. We need to be talking to Christ. That means going to him in prayer. We need to be getting to know Christ, studying Christ, finding out who he is. That means opening up the Bible and finding out exactly who Christ is. And that doesn't mean we need to overcomplicate it. That doesn't mean we need to figure out a way that, that suits our needs and suits our desires. and makes it enjoyable for us. It's the basics of it. It's praying and studying God's word. Praying and studying God's word. We need to align ourselves with Christ through the Bible and prayer. And once we do that, then he then gives us the desi- desire to want to know him more and more. You see, Paul wasn't the only person that, that gave up a lot in his life in order to follow Christ. We also saw it from, from Moses and jot this reference down, Hebrews 11, verses 24 through 26. Hebrews 11, verses 24 through 26, the author of Hebrews says this. He says, by faith, when he was grown up, Moses refused to be called son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused. I mean, think about it. This is an opportunity to be the, the, called the grandson of Pharaoh, something that anybody during that time would, would die to do. But Moses is saying, I, I don't want that. It's not worth it. He refused to be. What did he rather have? It said, verse 25, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So he considered suffering for Christ rather than having all the riches in the world at his fingertips. You see, you and I can only see everything as insignificant if we really understand how important Christ is, how significant Christ is to us in this life. You see, because most of us will verbalize this all day long. You know, even as I'm saying this stuff right now, you'll nod your head and say, yep, I'm right there with you, Kellen. But our lives clearly don't reflect that. You say we, we say Christ first, but then we spend more time on, on the internet and on social media than we do in our Bibles. We say Christ first, but we spend weeks and months and even years not ever mentioning the name Jesus Christ to the friends outside of church that God has put around us. We say Christ first, but we spend more time worrying about what other people think, what our friends think, what the the people within our school think rather than worried about what Christ thinks of us. You see, anything that, that does not glorify Christ in this life is a distraction. And it's a distraction because at the end of this life, or probably sooner than that, it won't matter. It won't matter at all. Oh man, so everything is distraction? Is everything in our life, distract, are we gonna be distracted by things in our life? Simple question probably. There might be some distractions in our life, but we should be aiming to prevent as many of those distractions as we can. And the problem that we have with distractions in our life is when we fail to realize a distraction for what it is. When we fail to realize that this is just pulling us away from knowing Christ more and more, and we don't reset our focus on how do we glorify Christ. You see, I'll bet right now, if you think about the things that are happening in your life, I'll bet there are things in your life right now that you can pinpoint that consume a lot of your time, but in a month from now, they won't even matter. They won't even matter. C.T. Studd said this. It's a quote that said, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. But I'm going to ask you tonight, do do you believe that? Only what's done for Christ will last. Do you believe that? You see, because if you believe that, then your actions will follow. But imagine with me for a second that all of us got a report on our life. It spit it out every, every hour of our life, and it told us everything about our actions and everything about our thought life. And if you were looking at that report on yourself, how much would Christ be the theme in your report? Or would Christ be the theme in your report? Or would Christ be the one that seems insignificant to everything else that goes on in your life, thought life and action life? I mean, even think about it now. What would the report say right now? Is being here at True North for you right now, is it something that's a highlight of your day? Something that gets you excited because you know it gives you an opportunity to grow closer to Christ? Or is it something that you're clock watching right now trying to figure out how long am I gonna take? How long is it gonna take for? small group to end, so you can get back to doing something that you want to do. See, there's nothing more important than being in a relationship with Christ. Everything else in this life, everything else in this life besides Christ has an expiration date. It will either come to an end soon or it's going to come to an end at the end of this life. Only thing that matters at the end of this life, it's very simple. There's one question. Do you have a relationship with Christ, yes or no? Eternity is weighted on that one question. Do you have a relationship with Christ, yes or no? Jot this reference down, Luke nine twenty-five. it says, For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? You get everything you want in this world. Anything your heart can desire, you get it. What does that gain you for eternity? Nothing. Nothing other than hell. You see, Paul gave everything up so he could be in Christ. In our passage, he goes from explaining what happened, what decision he made to follow Christ, to then in, verse, in the rest of verse 9, he goes into why it had to happen. Let's pick it back up in the middle of verse 9. It says this. It says, Not having a righteousness righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. When I was in high school, my mother worked for American Airlines. And working at American Airlines and me being her son, I was able to be considered as a, a dependent of hers. And so being a dependent of hers means I got a lot of the same benefits that she got. And my favorite one of all of them was I got to fly for free. That was a glorious benefit. Because I mean, where, where do you want to go? You want to go to Florida, you want to go to Texas? I'll meet you there. I'm not paying for yours, but I will meet you there because it's free for me. And it was such a great benefit to have. But you see, I I never had to, I never had to stress or I never had to work about finding the best price because I had it for free, but it wasn't because of anything I did. My mother did all the work. I just happened to be her son, so I got all of the benefits. That time came to an end, unfortunately, and I'm now that person that is scrambling, trying to find the best deal, but for me, I once had it free, so nothing's a good deal. People come to me all the time. They're like, hey, there's a great deal. I'm like, that's not a good deal. Find me free, and that's a good deal but that just doesn't exist for me anymore. You see, I was content with flying for free because it was given to me. I didn't have to worry about anything. Well, being in Christ, having the righteousness of Christ through faith allows us to be content in this world. It allows us to know that no matter what happens in this world, we don't have to stress. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be fearful of what's going to happen because we're content. We have the righteousness of Christ, and we know the righteousness of Christ allows us entrance into heaven because we get to obtain the, the perfect life that we can't live, but Jesus Christ lived for us. And we need to be content that Christ has finished the work. There's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we bring to the table that helps our standing with God. And so we need to be content in the finished work of Christ. And that's point number two this evening for us is be content in the finished work of Christ. Be content in the finished work of Christ. You see, Christ achieved this righteousness. The righteousness meaning being in right standing with God. Christ achieved that for us, and he's, he's given it to us freely. Freely. What does it cost us? It cost us our whole life. But if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and repent of our sins and live for him, we can be content in this life because we know where we're going for eternity. But you see, some of you tonight, sitting here tonight, are battling with this. You're fearful of death right now, and you're trying so hard to find a peace in this life that I'm here to tell you, and the Bible is clear on it, it doesn't exist here. It doesn't exist. You've heard this message of salvation before, but yet you want God to give you exactly what you want to see based on your terms, based on what you're desiring to see from God, and you think he's going to roll that out to you. He's not. Because Paul tells us righteousness comes through faith. Comes through faith. Are you going to get every single answer that you need answered? No, because righteousness comes through faith. In Christ. There are others, others of you that are sitting here tonight that are in Christ. But yet you're still anxious and you're still worried because you don't think that God has the power to forgive you of every sin that you've sinned in your life. You're concerned about that. But let me encourage you because Ephesians 1.7 says this. It says, in him, if we are in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. The forgiveness of our trespasses. It doesn't say our trespasses to a certain extent. It says the forgiveness of our trespasses. According to the riches of his grace. God has an abundance of grace. So does that give us a license to sin? No, of course not, because Romans Romans 6 tells us that. It tells us that because we've died to sin, we're no longer going to seek to sin. We're going to seek to glorify Christ, so that's not even on the table. But Christ has forgiven us of all sins, past, present, and future, and we need to be content in that. You see, Paul reminds us that that we get an imputed righteousness from Christ. It's not from our own doings. Because you see, Paul was a Pharisee. He was someone that was trying to achieve the law and live it perfectly. And he lived it far better than you and I could ever live it. But even that for Paul, he said, it wasn't good enough. I got to give it all up. Isaiah 64, 6 calls calls our works filthy rags. On our best day, it's nothing but filthy rags. It's even the majority of people that are walking this earth right now, even some Christians think, you know what, I'll just try to be a good person. I'm gonna try my hardest at this life, and you know, we'll see what happens at the, end of this, at the end of the day. The problem with that is, is when is good good enough? Right? Think about it. Like, when is good good enough? At what point do you say, I've achieved righteousness? Simple answer to that, you don't. But just think about that. People that are living that life of thinking, I got to be good enough, that's stressful. And of course you wouldn't want to face death. Because there's too much uncertainty. Too much uncertainty in our life. But, but Paul tells us in chapter 1 of Philippians, he goes so far to say, to die is gain for him. He's ready to die. Paul is ready to die, and he's looking forward to it. Why? Because he has the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not by his own doing, but it's because of what Christ did, and he's content in that. So let me ask you this question. Are you ready to say, I'm ready to die tonight? I'm ready for death tonight. Could you say that? Not because of anything you've done, but because you know you're secure in Christ. You know you have the righteousness of Christ. And I get it. I, I get it. Being, being a high schooler, what, 15, between ages 15, 18, you think, I got a long life to live. I got plenty of time to figure it out. That's not going to happen to me. When we talk about death, that's for older people, not me. Look, statistics say almost 300 high schoolers in America die a day. The majority of them die by accident, meaning that they had plans just like you and I for the rest of this evening, for the rest of this week, and life was gone. No second chances, life is gone. So don't put so much faith in, I got time even waiting for the next revival. I want to give my life at revival. I want to have a revival testimony. If you haven't given your life to Christ, that's something that needs to happen tonight because you may not make it home. You may not make it home. You see, some of you are secure in your faith. And I want to encourage you as well, press on, excel still more. Get to know Christ more and more and more. Never get to a point where you say, I know Christ enough. Because Christ has an abundance for us to learn. More than we could ever learn in this lifetime. Continue to know Christ more and more. You know, this life was designed to point us to Christ. We wrestle in this life trying to figure out what's going to give us contentment. The answer is nothing. Because this life was designed to point us to Christ the only thing that can give us contentment. And guess what? That's the message that the world doesn't want to hear. You go out to Liso Town Center and try to give that message, somebody's going to have some not nice words to say to you. And the sad part about it is we look on social media or we look to these celebrities, and these celebrity Christians are telling the world what it means to be a Christian. Most of them, haven't read the Bible, but yet we listen to them because they have a celebrity status. They have an ability to entertain, but we give them credit for knowing the Bible. They don't know it. They had, there was one that just came up recently, Steve Harvey. I know Steve Harvey, the comedian, quote-unquote Christian, comes out and says, there can't just be one road to heaven. I'm a Christian, but you know what? Just like there's 800 channels to watch on TV, there's a lot of roads to heaven, That's ridiculous, y'all. If he's a Christian, if you read the Bible, Jesus is very clear that he is the only way. So there's no way that you can come up with that. But we can't get caught up in what our favorite celebrity is saying or what people on Instagram are saying. Because they've made a name for themselves doing something from an entertainment standpoint does not give them a knowledge standpoint of what God's word has to say. And you can check that for yourself by getting to know Christ more in the Word of God. You see, Paul knew that all the short-term pain in his life that he had was worth the eternal glory that he was awaiting. And he tells us that in verse 10, back in our passage. He says this, says, That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You know, during this time, January, February, um, what I think is hilarious is all these weight loss commercials. You guys have probably seen them, right? These weight loss commercials. And the strategy for a weight loss commercial is for you to paint a picture of what the end goal is going to look like right? You, you've seen it on some of the commercials. You see people that say, I've lost 10 pounds. I feel great. Or, you know what? I'm able to walk fluffy up and down the, the hill now because I've lost some weight. Well, if I were running a company, I think just to be funny, I would, I would probably have a commercial that gives you the real life scenario. I, I want to know what it feels like during the middle of it. I would put out a commercial that says, the food I have to eat is horrible, <laughs> right? And then you get somebody else that says, I hate these workouts. I can't walk two days after them. Like, I want, I want a commercial that comes out and talks about the real stuff, right? It probably would never make it. It would probably crash and, and go out of business the next day. But I think it would be funny for a small <laughs> period of time. But anyway, like, the, the whole point of these workout and weight loss plans is to get you to focus on the end goal. Well, Paul is is doing the same thing for us here is he's focusing on the end goal, the resurrection, being with Christ. So because he's focusing on the end goal and how glorious that's going to be for him, he's able to endure any of these short-term discomforts because he knows the long-term gain he's going to get by being in Christ, by knowing Christ more and more. And that brings us to our final point this evening is we need to focus on the long-term gain in your short-term discomforts. Focus on the long-term gain in your short-term discomforts. I mean, it's part of the plan. It's part of the plan for us to have trials in our life, have suffering in our life, have challenges in our life. It's part of God's plan in order for him to mold us and to make us more Christ-like and make us more holy and make us more like Christ. And as you're writing that down, if if you have your Bibles or on your devices, turn with me to Philippians Chapter 1, a couple pages back, Philippians 1, verses 29. I just want you to get your eyes on this. Philippians 1, verse 29. It says this, it says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. I want to read that again, and I'm gonna use a synonymous word here. It says, For it has been gifted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. I mean, did you catch that? Paul's saying it is a gift for us to suffer. A gift. What? A gift for us to suffer? I mean, that's the complete complete opposite of what we think. Most times when we have suffering in life or when we come to a trial, we try to go the opposite way. We don't want anything to do with it. But Paul's saying... We have these gifts of suffering because it allows us to get to know God more. Most of the times we're shaking our fist at God, but we need to look at the suffering and the trials that we have and look at it as a gift because not of the current suffering, because of what we get out of the suffering. You see, when you get a Christmas present that's all wrapped up, the joy doesn't come from the wrapping paper in the box. You're eventually gonna rip that up. The joy comes from what's inside. The joy for us doesn't come from the surf, the, the the trial and the struggle that we're having on the surface, it comes from what we get out of it. And we get more knowledge of Christ. We get to learn and know Christ more and more through suffering. And Paul knew that. He knew that the more he suffered short term, the more he was able to know. Christ, the more he was able to, to get a glimpse of the strength of Jesus Christ to pull him through and grow in the relationship. When's the last time that you, you thank God for the gift of suffering? What's the last time you thank God for the gift of suffering? I mean, think about it. You've, you've been mocked at school because of your faith. Did you ever say, Thank you, God, because through this mocking, you're going to give me the strength to be able to endure through this and to be stronger in my faith because I realize that none of it matters at the end of the day. Thank you, God, that a relationship didn't work out. You broke up a relationship that I thought it was the person I was going to marry, but you broke it up, and now you've given me an opportunity to get to know you and get closer to you because really that was just a distraction for me. Thank you, God, for putting me in a low place while scrolling through social media. Now I don't want to go on social media, and I can be more productive with my life, because you've given me this trial. Short-term discomforts will go away. The long-term gain that we get out of those discomforts, those stay with us for the rest of our life. You see, it didn't matter what the world threw at Paul. All that mattered was knowing Christ at the end of the day. And we need to be more like Paul because we need to understand that, that we come to know Christ more in our life through a trial rather than when things are going well. You see, when things are going well, we have a tendency to think, you know what? I'm not that bad of a pro- I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at this thing called life. But God knows there's nothing more effective and nothing that gets us on our knees quicker than a trial. And so sometimes he'll shake our life up a little bit in order to bring us closer to him. I mean, you think about even non-Christians. Non-Christians are so quick to say, hey, can you pray for me? Because it's just a natural thing to do is to go to God when we suffer with a trial or challenge in this life. God doesn't waste a trial. Can we understand that tonight, that God doesn't waste a trial? Every trial that you have, every suffering that you have, every tough time that you have, there's a lesson that God is trying to teach you there. We just need to be praying and looking exactly for what that is. Paul knew the long-term gain, and he was able to say, verse 11 ends us with that, by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection for the dead." from the dead. Paul, we're going to put you in prison. Okay. I'll go share Christ with the Philippian jailer and bring him to salvation in Christ. Paul, we're going to beat you, okay? I'll take this beating and allow a lot of people to witness it, and they're going to see how strong I am, my faith, and they're going to see I'm not budging because this is serious. Paul, we're going to ruin your reputation. Guys, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters to me is what Christ thinks of me. Call me what you want. Long-term I know what I'm going to gain from it. I know where I'm going. Do you have that faith? Do you have that faith? Right now in Japan, there's a 30-year-old that owns a company, and evidently, weird as it is, he's making a killing off of this company. And the name of this company is called Odorit. And what Odorit does is you pay 150 dollars And it gives you a a full-page analysis on, catch this, how much you stink. It gives you a full-page analysis. It breaks everything down. It it gives you a rating on one to five on how bad you stink. And my favorite part in, in seeing this article was that one of the statements that it made was, the reason that we started this company is because, we know that it's challenging, and it's a tough thing for your friends and family members to be honest with you on how bad you stink. Get new friends if that's the problem. Get new friends. Because you know what? I got a three- and a five-year-old at home right now, and anytime I come home from some Compass Active workout, they have no problem saying, Dad, you stink, So you don't need a long-term process to find out or for somebody to develop a report to let me know that I stink. Well, as Christians, when we try to live this life and, and do things and be good and do all of these things in life on our own without Christ, we stink. We stink. We stink at it. And we don't need a report to tell us that. We can go to God's words and it describes our works on our best day as filthy rags, garbage, rubbish, and poop. That's not a pretty sight. But what we do need today, right here tonight, is we do need the righteousness of Jesus Christ in our life. That must be what we give our faith to, is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because you see, if we have the righteousness of Jesus Christ then we can be in a, a relationship with Christ and get to know him more and more and not just have a head knowledge because going to Compass Bible Church is a great thing. You're going to get the knowledge, but at the end of this life, it's not about a head knowledge. It's about a relationship with Christ. See, nothing else matters in the end and there's always going to be worldly distractions. There's always going to be something that this life is throwing at us that's, that's competing for our time. But as Christians, we need to first and foremost be in Christ and then understand that everything else that life has to offer is insignificant. It holds no weight at the end of the day. And when we see things and we're doing things in our life that Christ is not at the highest honor, then we need to be able to see it for what it is as a distraction and reset to make sure that Christ Always, 24 7 in our life holds the highest value and the highest honor. And we can live every moment in our life glorifying Christ, knowing that in the end we can be confident and content in where we're going to spend eternity with Him. Let's pray.